Go! In his last game as head coach of the Washington program, Chris Peterson will take on his former team, the Boise State Broncos. Jake will be playing a drinking game where he will take a shot every time the broadcasting crew says the words former team or alludes to the fact that Peterson used to coach at Boise. He will be dead by halftime. <laughs> hey, Trev, I just want to say that's really generous of you to give me halftime. Because I think I'm going to be dead before the game even starts. Bro. This is 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. And we are like Brennan and Dale. Brennan and Dale. Yep. Man, I feel like I know this one. Prestige Worldwide. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Step Step Brothers. Yeah, that's a good movie. Well, Jake, so good. as I said in the intro, if you decide to play a drinking game, uh, your kids are going to grow up without a dad. Um, yeah. Well, no. without their first dad. Yeah. Casey will do fine. <laughs> She'll be fine. She'll yeah. find somebody else. Yeah. She'll find um, love. So yeah, uh, Washington's going to head to the Vegas Bowl. They're going to take on Boise State. It's ESPN's dream come true. It's a storyline that the national media is going to try to hype up uh, to get people excited about a non-New Year Six bowl game. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts on Washington headed back to the Vegas Bowl? The, Mits- the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl? Yeah. Uh, everybody's disappointed. Every Husky fan is disappointed. But, uh, you know, I-, I-, I like the matchup. I'm really glad that they gave us a ranked opponent. And I actually, I dig the storyline just because Chris Peterson had such a good run in at Boise State. And some of the most memorable games that I watched that weren't Husky games were Boise State games. When they beat Oklahoma with right. the hook and ladder and the uh, Statue of Liberty play. I thought that was one of the most exciting games I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah, um, Kind of watching uh, David versus Goliath. And he just had a knack for, for big-time games when he played at Boise State. And unfortunately, at Washington, it's been a little bit – I don't know if you could call it a little bit of a, a disappointment. A lot of people expected him to win some of the big games that we played in. But the fact that he got us to that point, it, it makes me happy where he's brought this program. And I have nothing but love for him. So getting to watch this game – and you know it's going to mean a lot to him that he's going to play Boise State in this bowl game. I'm excited for him. You know, it's it's funny that Peterson had such a a knack for winning those big games, the David and Goliath games. Um, it seemed like, and this is one of the narratives that's been thrown out there, is um, he's struggled more being the Goliath, where Washington right. has been favored to win the last four years, they've been favored to win the, uh, the Pac-12 North every single year other than this year where they were supposed to come in second. You know, they, they won it two out of four years, which I'll take every time. But mm-hmm. that glaring 0-3 in the three straight New Year's Six Bowls is unfortunately part of his legacy. Um, but again, you're not going to hear a lot of Husky fans complaining about that. 
because of where he brought this team. And, you know, Mike Martin mentioned it when he was on our emergency podcast that, that this team is on the cusp of being really, really good. Um, yep. We have, you have most of your returning defense coming back. You have uh, a plethora of really young, talented uh, skill position players on the other side of the ball. You have offensive linemen coming up that are, that are, uh, were highly recruited out of high school. So this was supposed to be next year was supposed to be where Washington took off. So, you know, it, it is one of those things. I personally playing Boise state doesn't excite me. My favorite thing about bowl games is seeing other teams that you usually don't play. And, you know, Washington has played Boise state, a handful of times in the last, you know, seven years or so. Boise State was there when they opened up New Husky Stadium. They played him in the Vegas Bowl. And then in Peterson's first game, his second year, Jake Browning's first game, they played Boise State again. So I would much rather have seen them be able to play a team from another Power 5 conference that we don't get to see that often. Yeah, I get to see them play in Oklahoma State or something like that. Anything like that. Yeah, I just those those games get me more excited than uh, it, a group it of seems, five school. It seems to me like if we don't make a New Year's Six Bowl, these are the team the type of teams that we play though. What, when was the last time we didn't make a New Year's Six Bowl? Two thousand fifteen they played Southern Yeah, Browning's Miss, yeah. Browning's first year we played Southern Miss. More recently, when we've made bowl games that aren't New Year's Six Bowls, they are non-Power 5 teams. Playing Alabama, awesome. Playing Penn the State. Nittany Lions, awesome. Yep. Playing Ohio State, awesome. But, you know, would I like to see them play an Iowa or somebody yeah, out of the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it sure. would be awesome. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's there's some people that are excited about the, the storyline, some – some people are not, you know, uh, the bottom line for me is we get to watch our favorite team play one more game this season. And I'm always on board for that. I don't care who they play. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the extra practices. Yeah. Which will be big for uh, a group that's going to be returning a lot. Now, Jake, of course, the PAC 12 awards came out this week. Um, and uh, I'll just run through some of the, the, the headliners. We have the Offensive Player of the Year going to Zach Moss, the Defensive Player of the Year, Evan Weaver, the Offensive Freshman of the Year, uh, Keaton Slovis, Defensive Player of the Year, Freshman, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Coach of the Year, Kyle Whittingham. Um, Washington ended up with nine players on either the first team or the second. There was, uh, and then one of those second teamers was, of course, our boy, Peyton Henry coming as as the second team kicker. Lots and lots of of Huskies sprinkled in the all league on the all league teams. They also had three honorable mentions. But you know, Jake, it's it's really interesting because Washington, by all accounts, you know, seven and five, very disappointing. But to have the second most players on the all league list, what is your take on that? Uh, it means that we have a lot of talent on this team. And a lot of them did thrive. I really did like seeing Elijah Molden on the list yeah. because I felt like he was definitely deserving of it. We have a lot of good young talent, and a lot of those guys are getting recognition. 
So of those nine guys, four are seniors. Well, four four will be gone next year, including Hunter Bryant, correct? Right, right. So then we have five guys that we should have back next year, plus a pl- three more guys on honorable mention. And I this team is young enough, and they have enough talent waiting in the wings. You, you could see Puka getting a team next year. You could see a lot of other guys, Kyler Gordon, again being on another team. You're going to start seeing this younger talent of ours start to become more prevalent in it as as the years pass, too. We, we got a couple of linebackers that are coming in next year that I think are going to you're going to see on this list as well with with the hammer and uh, Joshua Calvert possibly making this list next year. Um, and I, I really think that as we progress and, and lose some of the defensive players, like both of our starting linebackers, and then we get um, Ule Fushio and, and Latu in, you could possibly see them crack a list as well next year. So I'm looking at, at Washington's defense and, it's really interesting that we don't see Keith Taylor even on the honorable mentions list. And I think that goes to some uh, people looking at stats because at some points he was really dominant this year. But, you know, if, if that's the way that the conference feels about him, maybe we get him back next year. And, and the only loss that we have are the middle linebackers and Miles Bryant. And everybody else, in theory, will be back. We'll see about, you know, an Elijah Molden. We'll see about Levi Onwuzurike. Jordan Reffitt seemed to think that he was coming back. And, and there's talent to be had. Uh, Kyler Gordon played better as a defensive back later in the year. So this defense could be absolutely elite with the depth that Washington has on the defensive line now. So, well, and the good thing is, is also the safety situation. We lose Miles Bryant, but we have two young guys that are, that are freshmen this year that got a ton of playing time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so both guys are seasoned already as true freshmen coming in as sophomores next year that neither of them are new to the field. So that, that bodes well for them. And they've been being taught by miles bryant yeah absolutely and cameron williams was named as a freshman all-american this um could you imagine next year would both of them take in stride with with cam and uh turner burning side by side for for the next three years stupid stupid this that that secondary is if keith taylor stays and elijah moulton stays and we have trent mcduffie and Kyler Gordon, all for cornerbacks. And then we have those two burners in the back that already have playing time that aren't going to be overwhelmed by the situation with more coaching from Jimmy Lake. Our secondary is going to be absolutely incredible next year. The defense on a whole is going to be stupid. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a major upswing in the amount of kids that we see on the the All-Pac-12 team next year especially on the defensive side. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting that both of the offense uh, outside linebackers both made second team um, because at different times this year, they both played like first teamers. Um, they were in, in, in different games. They were very, very disruptive. 
Joe Tryon next year is going to be a man on a mission. Which will obviously leave Ryan Bowman in more one-on-one situations to rush the passer. Yeah. That could be yeah. very, very beneficial. Um, yeah. This defense next year, I, I, I don't know what uh, I don't know what the Pac-12 is going to do. On the other side, um, all of the offensive players that were recognized on first team are gone. Hunter Bryant's leaving. Yeah. Nick Harris is graduating. Trey Adams is also graduating. So um, there's some major holes to fill on. Uh, the offensive line with two guys who have just been so steady throughout their careers. That's going to be the question mark. And, you know, Jimmy Lake in his press conference talked about how they're going to be an attacking offense next year. And we're really going to see whether or not it's Bush Hamden or not. I think he has a better chance of staying than he does of going. We'll be able to uh, put in his offensive scheme. Yeah, and I think he's going to be on a short leash, which is going to light his fire. Now, one thing I do want to bring up, and this is not Husky-related, is the fact that, and we we kind of talked about this prior to the show, is that Tyler Huntley made first-team quarterback, which to me was a little bit surprising. And you made the comment of, uh, he balled out this year. And when I say it's surprising, I don't mean that, he doesn't deserve it because he absolutely deserves it. But when you think of first team guys, you think of the big name type of quarterbacks that run through the Pac-12 and that would be like a Herbert or an Eason. There was a lot of competition this year as far as quarterback play goes. And the fact that the Pac-12 recognized Tyler Huntley as the best quarterback in this conference, I think bodes well for the writers of this conference because they didn't just look at with their superstar goggles on. They they looked at the numbers and they looked at the team that he played for and how well he performed and absolutely made the right call. Next up on the line for you guys, we have Cason Williams, um, former Washington standout receiver. Um, he's now playing in the XFL for the Seattle Dragons. And we got to talk to him about his football journey Enjoy. All right, Husky fans, on the line, we have Cason Williams, former standout wide receiver at Washington. Cason, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of give us a quick synopsis of your football journey. My name is Cason Williams. I started off at Skyline High School in Sammamish, Washington, and um, had a great career there. I was really blessed to play with some really cool people, um, really talented people. Um, from there, won a couple state championships from there, ended up going to the University of Washington, um, decided to go there uh, to continue the legacy uh, of my father, who played there and uh, wore number two, as I did, and also played receiver. Um, and I just loved everything about staying home and keeping that tradition alive. Um, and then after that, was very blessed to uh, actually have a, a short career with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they uh, picked me up as a free agent, uh, played with them for two and a half years, and uh, uh, after that went to the Cleveland Browns for a season um, in 2017. Um, and then after the Cleveland Browns, I went to the Indianapolis Colts for a tryout, um, was with them all preseason in 2018, um, did not make the team, sat out basically all of 2019, and uh, today is actually the first day all the guys are reporting for camp. 
for the XFL Seattle Dragons team, um, and that's the team that I'm currently on and will be on uh, starting 2020 of next season. You know, you mentioned when you went to the UW, your dad had played there, same position, same number. What did it mean to follow in your dad's footsteps at the UW? Um, it meant a lot just off of being able to get an offer from UW, starting starting with that. Um, and it was very interesting when UW offered me, they were actually 0-12 uh, that season. Um, it was my it was my freshman year right after or the last the last year of Willingham. Um, and actually at that time, I was really not thinking about Washington at all because they were 0-12. Um, and I was thinking that I needed to go find somewhere else to play, uh, even though I really wanted to play in Washington because of the legacy, because of UW, um, or because of my father. Uh, and uh, once Sark came in, I really, I really liked his vibe. And once he came in, and I saw a couple seasons um, of, of of Husky football with with him as the leader, um, and the program really started to turn around. And at that point, I realized that this is definitely where I wanted to go. Uh, definitely something that I wanted to be a part of. And the driving force of that was because uh, my dad played there. Um, and uh, I just wanted to continue with the legacy. So I was very blessed to to have that opportunity. Uh, and for them to offer me number two uh, was really big as well because at the time it was retired. But it was really one of the the things that I wanted to, to wear. It wouldn't have been the journey if I, if I didn't have that number two on me. When you curved you were a legacy at Washington, did it? affect other schools in recruiting you? Um, not necessarily. I mean, the other schools knew. I mean, it's always tough. You always have to compete with the home school. Um, you know, if, if I was a Los Angeles kid uh, and UW was recruiting me, they their main competition would have been UCLA and USC. Um, and for me, it was the same thing. Uh, I, actually, when I was in high school, it was funny uh, – USC uh, was was looking at me heavily, and Pete Carroll was the head coach at that time for the, for USC. So he was competing against UW, and he knew that, um, and a lot of the other schools knew that as well. Um, so yeah, it made them it made them have to uh, have to recruit a little bit harder. At the end of the day, it didn't necessarily work uh, because the legacy with me and Pops was just too strong for any other school to come in and try to um, try to uh, not take that away, but try to steer me a different way. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a challenge for other schools to recruit. When the UW was going 0-12 and you weren't really feeling them all that much, who were kind of the main front runners for you? Was it more Pac-12 or were you looking kind of into the SEC and going, you know, across the country away from home? Um, it was a little bit of both. Uh, I was looking a lot Pac-12 because I did want to stay home. UCLA was up there. Um, SC was up there. Um, who else was up there? I was kind of interested. I don't even want to say this, but I was kind of interested in Wazoo just because Oregon. of how much they oh. the ball. <laughs> uh, not Oregon, not Oregon. Nah, 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 nah. Okay, good, good, good. Good math. <laughs> uh, but, I, but Wazoo, just because of how much they threw the ball, and obviously as a receiver, that's uh, that's something that you want to see. Uh, but I was also interested in the LSUs, uh, the Notre Dames. Uh, Florida was up there. Um, there was definitely some I, – I had an offer from basically all of uh, the SEC schools and, you know, them being a power conference. Um, I was definitely looking into uh, – I was definitely looking into them. I wasn't necessarily shy 
to go away from home. Uh, but once Sark came in there and they started winning some games, it was it was pretty much a no-brainer. Obviously, you, you got there the year after Jake Locker left. Yeah. Uh, in the competition with Keith Price and Nick Montana, was there a clear favorite going into the opening day? Honestly, I wouldn't say so. Uh, I think Keith had more experience. Um, my, in that, my senior season, uh, Jake went down for a couple games and I remember watching Keith, um, start during, I think it was the SEC or the USC game. Um, so I had, I had watched him, uh, a little bit through that process. And when I had got there, they were battling a little bit, but I think, I think Keith was pretty much the, uh, the team favorite and, uh, and the coaching and the uh, coaches favorite as well. How competitive was the receiver room in your time at the UW? It was extremely com- competitive, especially um, especially my uh, my later years, my junior and senior year. Um, it was cool my freshman year because I got to learn from uh, Jermaine. Uh, Jermaine Curse obviously um, knew of him in high school. I actually played against him in high school um, at mm-hmm. Skyline um, in a playoff game because he went to Lakes. Um, so I, I knew of Jermaine a lot, um, but my later years, you know, we had guys like Jadon Mickens, uh, Dante Pettis uh, came in my senior year, and as a freshman, he was making some noise. Um, John Ross, obviously, um, Kevin Smith, who was with me with the Seahawks for a couple of years. We had we had a good group of guys, and uh, we were we were competitive, but we also had a really a really strong bond as well. And I think that's what uh, what made us more competitive because we knew that we can get on each other during during practice and in the games, but as soon as we get off the field, man, all that stuff goes out the window and we're just we're just friends at that point. Um, so it was it was real competitive but we also had a very unique bond which was cool as well. And what's really cool about that is a lot of you that saw major minutes for the University of Washington, ended up in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we had guys like uh, Jade, uh, this other kid named DeAndre Campbell, um, who ended up yeah. going on playing on the practice squad for San Francisco for a year. So um, that I think that was the best thing was that our expectations uh, were so high for ourselves that it actually it drove us and allowed us to. Uh, get on teams in the NFL, whether it's practice squad or active roster, um, we all saw our dreams come true in some sort of way. So it was really cool to see. And what was your connection with Keith Price? Uh, we had a good connection. Um, at times, I mean, looking back on it, at times I wish I would have handled some things differently about being being more vocal um, about, um, you know, coverages, routes, what uh, I'm looking for in routes or um, how I want the ball to be placed, you know, just little things like that. But um, even without, you know, stepping up in those areas, I still felt I still felt like uh, we had a really good connection. I mean, I left there um, as I was honored as a as a legend the other day. They had said that I was fifth in receptions uh, all time. So you don't you don't you don't get to that level without having a, a very unique bond, a very strong bond with your quarterback. Um, and seeing how Keith was my quarterback, um, basically my entire time at UW, um, we, we, we definitely had that bond in the show. When I think of Keith Thrice, I think of the, the Alamo Bowl that you guys played in. Yeah. I guess RG3. Yeah. What do you remember most about that game? Oh, 
that was probably one of the biggest, one of the most craziest games I've ever been a part of. Um, I, I I honestly can't remember the final score, but I remember it was like it was like a basketball game. It was like sixty-two yeah. to like fifty something. It was just ridiculous. Um, and the the thing that I remember the most is how well Keith played that game. Uh, like you said, it's your it's your best memory of Keith um, because he played his heart out that game. And to go against the uh, the Heisman Trophy winner uh, and to and to go pound go go round for round with him. Um, was really something that was really cool, really cool to see. Um, and it had us all excited for the future. I mean, he was young at that time. Uh, we had a young team, um, and we were very excited about uh, what our potential was for that season. Um, and he definitely showed what his abilities were during that game. Now, getting a little bit farther into your career, when you had that broken foot, you were well on your way to being um, an all-conference receiver. Uh, what was the road back for you like and, and watching that team, I wouldn't say struggle, but uh, having lost you on that team, I think, uh, ended up in some losses. What was that experience like for you and how did it shape you as a person? Yeah, um, that was the most important experience uh, of my life because that was the first time that I actually had um, – actually had adversity um and i had to overcome that by getting stronger mentally by taking practice more seriously um being more patient um all those things that i didn't learn before um i learned during that process of of getting back to 100 percent um so it was really important for me and i felt like i took advantage of it Uh, i learned something new every single day I was put in a different position, an uncomfortable position, uh, which is, you know, that's where you want to be if you want to actually uh, experience growth in your life. Um, so it was important for me. I felt like I felt like I grew in that situation. Uh, it was definitely tough watching uh, games from the sideline. That was something that I wasn't used to. That was the first major injury I had ever had, um, and it came at a, at a time where uh, it was probably the most crucial time in my life. Um, but, uh, you know, you get over things and, and you move on and, and, and I'm just really thankful for uh, the journey that I've had. You know, if I, if I, if that never happened, I may never ended up playing for the Seahawks for, for three years, you know? Um, and so, you know, because of that, I have, I have a great story to tell. Um, and I'm very, I'm very, uh, thankful that I was able to overcome that and still, uh, find some success in the NFL, even with that injury. And how has your game evolved since college? I'm a I'm a lot smarter person. I, I know how to read coverages better. I know how to um, run routes better. I know how to work with the ball in my hand. Um, I think that's the biggest improvement. I think when when you watch uh, these XFL games coming up in February of 2020, you're gonna see um, me working with the ball in my hand and making people miss a lot. Um, and uh, just just being overall confident uh, in my game and getting back to to who I was as a player um, before the injury happened. And, and to be honest, I felt like my best – I've been getting better every single season. It's just unfortunate that being on the Seahawks and being on their practice squad, I mean, everything I'm doing is in practice, so you can't <laughs> you can't see it. The fans can't see it. But uh, – now that I have this XFL opportunity and I get, I'm going to get 10 good games of solid film, 
um, that uh, my my abilities and my improvement are, are going to be on display for the world to see, and I'm really excited to do that. Was it vindicating for you? Your final uh, preseason with the Seahawks, you had a really, really good preseason. Most publications that I saw had you making the roster, and when you were cut, uh, a lot of the veterans um, voiced their displeasure with that. Uh, was that vindicating to you in any way? Yeah, because at the end of the day, uh, if I'm not going to get the res- if I'm not going to get what I deserve uh, as far as making the team, um, the la- the next best thing is earning the respect of my peers. Um, all I can all I can ask for at the end of the day is, is respect. Um, and and when guys like Sherm came out and had my back um, and and voiced their opinions and weren't afraid to go to the head office to go to the head coach and voice them, um, it was. It, it really meant a lot to me. Um, it really meant a lot because, you know, especially at a time like that where I was on the same page as everybody else, you know, I thought that it was a guarantee I was going to make the team. I put my heart and soul into that off season, into that, uh, into the Seahawks program and um, into that fall camp. So I thought I was going to be there uh, and be there for a while, but, you know, they decided to go the other route and I can't control uh, what they decide to do, but uh, but I can earn the respect of my teammates, uh, and I got that. So it really did mean a lot. Jason, we appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of tell people where you're at, but before that, um, I got to know, uh, in that Stanford win, you catch the ball down the sideline. You're running towards the end zone, and the ball pops out of your hands. Uh, you gave me a heart attack. Um, <laughs> what happened? You know – I'm no longer wearing sleeves when I play football anymore because um, <laughs> the sleeves no are so – they're just so slippery. Uh, I'm running down the sideline, and for no reason, the ball just decides to come out of my hands. Um, and it's because of that sleeve, man. I, I want to look good so bad that I'll risk losing the ball on a game-winning drive. Um, so from now on, uh, actually ever since then, uh, I stopped wearing sleeves. So <laughs> that's what happened. No kidding. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We appreciate you ha- coming on, man. We're really excited to watch you here in Seattle. Uh, I can speak for all of Husky Nation and saying that when you were drafted by the Dragons, uh, we all got uh, really, really proud of you. Um, the jerseys came out today. Do you look better in the green or the white? Um, I like the white man. That 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 all white looks beautiful. My favorite thing about the jerseys though is the helmet. The helmet is so sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Kathan, uh, why don't you uh, share kind of uh, where we can find you and uh, maybe in some stuff that uh, some other side projects that you got going on. Yeah. Um, you can find me kwill2k. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. Um, working on some T-shirts. Uh, you guys were uh, great supporters in, in, in getting a shirt, um, even if I spilled the beans a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you go on there. I got a nice, a nice uh, shirt that I'm working on. Uh, show, show some love, show some support. Um, it's just, just a side project, just trying to grow the brand a little bit um, and try to do something outside of football. This is part of me trying to grow. Uh, as a person outside of the game, um, and try to and try to um, do some business and um, get something for the fans that they can wear that they can support me through. Um, so yeah, that that's that's definitely where you can go. Uh, I I I encourage you guys to get the shirts. The shirts are really cool. 
Jason spilled the beans to Jake that I got him one for Christmas. Um, <laughs> you know what, man? We appreciate you coming on. It was a big deal when you signed. Uh, you were loyal to a place when it would really easy. It would have been really easy to go elsewhere. Um, so yeah. we appreciate you for that, and we're really looking forward to watching the XFL. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Much appreciate. All right, Jake. Well, let's get to um, some of the departures, and we got a couple of guys that aren't going to be playing in the Vegas Bowl. So um, Hunter Bryant, he is not playing in the bowl game. Um, Trey Adams also has decided not to play in the bowl game. Um, Jacob Eason has. So before we get into this conversation, uh, I, I saw a headline for a mock draft that had Hunter Bryant going in the first round uh, and Trey Adams and Jacob Eason going in the third round. Now, both of the guys, uh, I want to I get your take on this, but I want to preface it with this. Both of those guys, Bryant and Adams, um, have had significant injuries in their career. Um, do you think it was the right choice for them to sit out of this game? Um, you know, that's such – I. Me personally, I am not a fan of players sitting out bowl games for draft status. I didn't like it when uh, Christian McCafferty did it. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I roll reversal view on that one. That was good, which I liked. Um, and and when you when you sign up to play for a school, you make a commitment to play for the school. And when you're healthy, I think that you should do that. Um, so do I think that they're making the right call? No, but that's my personal belief because I think that if you are a, a player for a university, you should be a player. Even with the health concerns, I, I, I do really believe that they should be both playing. And it's not going to do anything but help you. If you go out and you ball out, then it's going to make you look that much better. Uh, Hunter Bryant could go out and have a phenomenal bowl game and just – his draft stock could keep rising and, his, and, and keep getting a little bit better. Even though he's got a first-round grade, that doesn't mean that he's going to go in the first round. But if he goes out and, and scores two touchdowns against Boise State, then I, I could see somebody falling in love with him and, and drafting him a little bit earlier at mid, middle of the first round. Um, Trey Adams could definitely use the draft help. Uh, coming into the season, he was projected as a first-round draft pick. Uh, top 15 draft pick and the fact that he's fallen into the third round I think that he should be playing and helping his case out I'm the opposite I think that both of these guys are making really good choices by not going I don't think that there's anything else that these guys can put on film that they haven't done already what's going to be important for him is going to be what he can do at the combine Um, on the other side Hunter Bryant if I'm Hunter Bryant and I've already had one significant knee injury, I'm not going to put my knee and my future up for, uh, for a Vegas bowl. Um, one Why of the things we play that, football. Why do we on. play football? Hold on. Now you said that they made a commitment to the university and they should stick to it. Um, I don't think that's fair when you look at the other side of the ball where you have coaches. What do you mean that's not fair? No, let me finish. Ugh. If coaches can leave before the bowl game uh, and take other jobs, then the, the, the kids, I think, are entitled to that same freedom. Is Peterson leaving before the bowl game? Peterson is not, but that, that doesn't 
mean that coaches don't. Why do we play football? Because we love the because we love the game and we want to play, or is it just strictly a business decision? It's. I mean, if if you want to take that old school route, you can. Um, but the I'm reality absolutely is, going to. You know, there's been guys that have been hurt in their bowl games that have affected their um, their draft order, whether they got Ew. drafted or not. It happens. It, it can happen on every play. And I think it's bullcrap that people use that excuse that, you know, if you love the game, you're going to play in the game. Um, you're looking at setting yourself up for generational wealth by going into the NFL healthy. It takes one snap to get hurt. And in, uh, in a game where there's no extra benefit in winning that game, I, I think it's totally appropriate to sit out. It also gives the coaching staff to take a look at some younger guys. Now, if they're in a New Year's Six That's a cop-out. It's not That's a cop-out. That's a complete cop-out. That's How a total so? cop-out. How so? To give, the, to give them a chance to look at the younger guys? Sure. They've had, the, they've had that chance all year. Not in game situations, necessarily. Yes, they have. They've elected not to because those players aren't ready. And because Hunter Bryant's better. Yeah, but at this point in the season, it's another chance to look at those guys at the end of the year. I think it's totally appropriate. I completely disagree with you. I, I I want to see my best players on the field all the time, especially against somebody like a Boise State who's ranked. And I want Washington to go out and ball out and beat them. I want, I want them to see to Jake well. Eason. I want to see Hunter Bryant. I want to see Trey Adams. I want to see all. I want to see the University of Washington, the football team, on the last game of the year, going out and trying to win a bowl game. And that's fine, and I do too. However, I I completely understand why guys who have had injury issues in the past not go out. We're not going to agree on this. No, <laughs> and, and we're not. No. And, and and that's, that's the fine. beauty of uh, you know, me living in. You know, you living in you know the in 1980s. a bubble in a bubble because you're fe- you're fearful of another injury. False. Because you've gotten hurt what because you've gotten hurt once, you're afraid to get hurt again. You go say that right? to Trey that's Adams. What, that's what that's what you're saying. First of all, Trey Adams is super huge, and yeah. I'm not going to exactly because I live in a bubble and I'm fearful. Exactly, but it doesn't matter. So Hunter Bryant leaving, yeah. He's a, spe- he's a special talent. Nobody's denying that. Do we think it's a huge drop-off from Hunter Bryant to Kate Otten? Um, you know, they're, they're, they're different styles of players when it comes to what their strengths are, right? Kate Otten has great hands. Hunter Bryant drops a lot of balls. When Kate Otten gets the ball, he's a rumbler. And when Hunter Bryant gets it, he's a deer. So yeah, he's a yeah and, and he's just so athletic with the ball and so strong where, you know, Kate Otten, you know, Kate Otten looks more like a, a, a Will Disley and um, Hunter Bryant looks like a more athletic version of ASJ. I think that they're going to miss that dimension of his game because he is a special athlete um, and he was one of Easton's favorite targets. You know, I thought he was going to come back because of the drops. And I was, I was, uh, you know, with a first round grade, I guess you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. How you win the game is by scoring more points. And Kate Otten in the red zone 
to me, is by far the best option that we have on this team right now, including Hunter Bryant. It would – those two play the same position and they play it so differently. And yeah. they're both they're both really good. Um, I, I wish Hunter nothing but the best. Um, according to what we've seen from mock drafts, the drops aren't going to hurt him. I thought that might bring him back to college. Um, but, you know, when you have one full healthy season – at um at the university you got to get it before your body breaks down on you and um so i don't blame him for that but you know i i don't I, it's really hard to I, I don't how would you i guess you just did you said that the, the touchdowns you'd rather have Otten in the in the red zone um i think kate on po- poised to have a huge year next year being yeah. that safety net um where yeah. you know you saw him you know, the the two the favorite plays for Hunter Bryan are across the middle, um, getting him in space. And Kate Otten was going right up the gut, um, catching the yeah. ball uh, either behind or in front of the middle linebacker and then trying to drag the middle linebacker for a first down. So when I when I think of when I think of those two and where I want them most, I divide it into the 20s. Right. Sure. I want Hunter. I want Hunter Bryan inside of those twenties. You know, from twenty to twenty. I want Kate Otten from the twenty to the end zone. All right, Husky fans, that'll do it for Fourth and Inch of the Husky Podcast. Check back at si.com forward slash college forward slash Washington for more great Husky content, and check out Jake and I's basketball podcast, Husky Hardcourt. Uh, go on to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, rate and review it. Give us those five stars. We love them. Jake, I love you. Go dogs. Go dogs.